All right, my people, you are back for episode 90 of Never Out of Bounds. This is the place where your Second Amendment is protected as long as you got them facts. This is your man, El Jamal, coming through on your Thursday night. And we have a we have a lot to talk about tonight. So we're going to get right into it with the world on the street. And I'm going to uh, start off with a quick, a couple quick hits, just a couple of little short news stories uh, just before we get back, just before we get into the big story. Uh, so let's get right into it. And uh, Mississippi, uh, they finally have their 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 runoff election for their state senate and it looks like republican cindy cindy hyde smith has uh beat out mike Espy, uh, the Democratic nominee. Now, High Smith is going to be the first woman to represent Mississippi on the in the Congress. Had Espy would have won, he would have been the first Black since Reconstruction. So, history, uh, regardless, either way. Uh, polls officially closed Tuesday afternoon. Uh, they spent. All, uh, well, all of Wednesday recounting the votes or counting up the votes and establishing who won. Of course, we know that High Smith was reported by, was supported, supported, excuse me, by Trump. And she also had those racist remarks coming out a couple of weeks ago, right before the actual election, uh, basically saying that she would, she would attend a public hanging. And this is uh, wrong on a lot of different levels. For one, that state, Mississippi, uh, it has a very terrible history of lynching and lynching African Americans. Uh, however, with that being said, the Democratic nominee, uh, Mr. Espy, he had some issues too with a foreign uh, dignitary. So uh, both some negatives on both sides. Uh, however, uh, I'm not, of course, I'm not down with the races. And again, uh, just goes to show you where we're kind of headed in terms of where this country is going. Um, I know a lot of people you know, made it a lot of people on the right, the right side of things, uh, did a lot to say that Obama started a whole lot of the race issues of, that we're facing now. I don't see it. Um, it looks as though that we are electing outright racist officials under Trump's watch, but that's just the way it is. And, uh, let's just move on. Let's just move on. And, uh, another quick hit we got here. Uh, Microsoft has been battling out, uh, with Apple, uh, for the most valuable company on the stock market. Now, uh, when the market closed on Tuesday, uh, Microsoft was on top of Apple for the first time since 2003. They closed that day at 113, uh, 100, 115 million point 75 point. Oh, sorry. 115 billion dollars. Uh, Apple would end up closing that day at 113. Uh, Microsoft ended up opening at 106 on Tuesday. But over the past few days, of course, Apple has, you know, taken its lead back, but it has been going neck and neck. Uh, Microsoft is recent, recent success is due to their due to their smartphone apps and their other services so they're coming back in the game again if we go back to 2003 uh they finished that day 283 uh at 283 billion uh apple will finish that day at 8 billion but my have we come a long way especially for apple this was right before the ipod craze came out and all that so apple has done this thing to, to solidify who they are however uh apple is still the the prime company in this country uh, they become the first u.s company to accumulate one trillion dollars of market value amazon has recently done this as well uh, of course microsoft like i said uh microsoft after the 2000s right around 2003 i want to say somewhere around there uh there were some government regulations uh many of the investors backed away from microsoft so that led to uh apple basically assuming the place the dominant place in this market but again like i said microsoft is on its way back of course they got some product they got apps y'all all know about it y'all all know about chromecast so on and so forth uh so again just these businesses they're well, the tech businesses that are, that is, they're going at it right now, and um, there is money to be made. And if you got some type of uh, some know-how, some technical know-how, uh, I wouldn't mind. Hey, get you a job at one of these places. Yeah. All right, y'all. So we're gonna move on to the biggest story that I wanted to talk about. This will be the thirteenth meeting of the G20. Uh, this will be held November thirtieth to December the first, and this uh, sorry in Buenos Aires, Argentina. Now, uh, the G20 is a group of um, many nations. Uh, first, it started off as six, though. This started about 1975 uh, and originally included, included uh, the U.S., uh, England, or actually the U.K., China, Canada, and Russia. Um, and over time, um, it's 
it's expanded to include the rest of the European Union, uh, countries such as Italy, so on and so forth. Germany, I believe, is involved as well. Um, they also try to invite at least five nations, five emerging nations every year. Uh, this year, they've invited Spain, Jamaica, Chile, uh, Singapore. Uh, they've also invited a couple others. Uh, the purpose, like I said, of, the, of this group is to come together, especially when they come together like this for their summits. They're basically coming together to discuss international business and uh, business relations and other other big causes. Uh, during uh, the, the late 2000s or right around, uh, well, starting with 2007, uh, they had the big, they've, they've been having the big climate summit. So they've been talking really about how to uh, develop renewable energy, uh, about how not to exploit fossil fuels. At least that's what they claim that they're talking about. Eventually, when we see what's getting done, we don't really see too much of a shift from any of that. But again, this is what they claim that they're all about. Um, again, uh in 2008, it would grow to the official 20 nations that we hear about today. Uh, Mexico, India, and China would eventually join as well. So you kind of get the deal here. Uh, just people coming together, uh, understanding, well, coming together for an understanding of you know, foreign business. Uh, Russia was kicked out of the group, however, in 2014 for annexing Crimea, which is a region out there in the Black Sea, I believe. Very fought, very fought over, uh, well, Throughout its history, it's been fought over by the Russians and a lot of the Eastern European peoples of that area. But again, I digressing a little bit too much. Uh, Russia was eventually kicked out of the G20 and they have not really come back since. Uh, every year, a different country and their president is responsible for hosting and the agenda for providing the agenda of all the, of all these meetings. Uh, 2005 in Scotland, uh, they met together. Uh, interior officials uh, met and agreed to a met and agreed to starting a international database for pedophiles and to share information on terrorism so they come together not to talk about money they talk about a lot of things that are pertinent to you know certain places at that time uh, for example this year uh, Argentina is facing a very harsh economic crisis uh, currently uh, they're uh, they're I'm sorry, their uh, peso has just dropped three three uh, percent and that happened on Monday uh, they've They've fallen. Their currency has fallen about 50 percent since the start of this year, and they are the world's worst performing currency. Uh, also out there, the beef industry and also the airline industry is suffering. Uh, one of their main airlines, uh, it was, it was see how I pronounced this, Aerolinas Argentina, the, they actually canceled 371 flights on Mondays as well. So uh, they're looking to talk about multilateral trade, uh, making sure they're represented on the world market. They're also trying to find ways that they can uh, get some help in updating their uh, their currency uh, they've also been given a, a, a sorry a loan by the, the international banks as well so that is one of their biggest issues they've also been talking about oil prices as well and these discussions will be uh, headed by their president uh, Mauricio Macri so uh, like again again uh, like I said they're trying to you know help themselves out and uh, trying to you know not necessarily get a bone but some type of uh, uh, what's the word here? Some type of cooperation. And also one of the biggest uh, stories about this event is the fact that the U.S. and China will finally be able to come together and hopefully, hopefully hash some things out. Now I have a quote here uh, from Mary Owens Thompson. She's a global chief economist. Now, uh, what she's saying here is a trade agreement between the U.S. and China is essential to the stock markets and the world economy. So again, uh, it will behoove both of them that we kind of get together, we get along. Because uh, I really think what, what, what that what, why it would be such a problem was that because we we uh we both countries have so much influence uh, across the globe that a you know Cold War even economically with China uh, would just rat, would just screw over investors. They wouldn't know who to invest with, who they should uh, do business with. So it would just mess a whole lot of things up. Uh, however, she would go on to say. Unfortunately, that I unfortunately I think that in all probability, trade will continue to be one of the favorite battle horses of this administration. Uh, currently, the U.S. wants to erase a 30, uh, 30, 375 billion dollar trade gap. Uh, basically, China is not allowing so, uh, a whole lot of uh, American country American companies uh, to operate in China, as well as they're cutting all their subsidies. So again, they're not really encouraging American business. Uh, we see that there's an issue with each other. I'm not too sure why there's an issue, uh, but of course, uh, we all know about what Trump wants to do. Um, 
Now, uh, Trump wants to raise tariffs another 25 percent by January the 1st. And he's also planning on uh, placing tariff on 267 billion more of uh, Chinese goods. Now, I've already talked about that number a couple of times. Uh, looks to be that he's serious about doing that. Uh, he this is an hope. I mean. I just think that, you know, at this point in time, I don't think we need the drama because eventually y'all might not see it yet, but eventually uh, we're going to have to start paying for it out of our pockets. It's, it will be seen. It will be seen in the price of things. I've already told you uh, these companies are telling you their goods will be going up. You will be seeing this at the register. So do not be surprised where a lot of your goods, because they're coming from China anyways, because you don't make any. Uh, don't be surprised with the regular stuff that you buy is... It's a little bit more expensive. And now, investors are already expecting a downturn in the economy, including corporate earnings. That leads into my other story that I shared with you guys the other day with GM and a lot of our different uh, manufacturing companies shutting down jobs. 3,000 jobs were shut down in this country already because of the high tariff battle. So uh, we can sit there and try to pretend like this is something that's hurt, uh, helping us, uh, but it's not. And hopefully uh, somebody can, you know, get out of their feelings, Trump, or stop, you know, playing into their ego and get some actual work done. But until then, uh, look for eventually stuff to be a lot more expensive if these tariffs keep uh, rising. All right, y'all. So we're going to take our first quick break. Like I said, we have a, a quite a bit to talk about tonight. Uh, but when we come back, we'll be getting into some college football playoff rankings. I'll be talking about the four best team in the nation and what their basically what their route is to the to the college football playoff or to a possible championship. Uh, we'll be also uh, be highlighting a couple uh, conference championships. The SEC. We'll also be talking about the ACC championship. I'll be picking a winner for both of those. And then uh, we have one news story to talk about college football. And then we're going to break down some NFL. I got a couple takeaways from last week. A couple questions. Um, not the three that I'm usually giving out to you guys. But uh, we're also going to be talking about some Thursday night football as well. And then uh, we're going to get into some college hoops. We're going to get into some yesterday's action. Uh, no real top, no top 25 action f uh, for tonight. Uh, we're also going to be getting to those standings as well. And uh, no, also no real f uh, free agency news in terms of baseball, but I will get into uh, just some meetings. A couple a couple players are on the move, at least meeting with teams. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Put a couple notes in there about that. And then we're going to wrap everything up with the NBA. We're going to go over tonight's scores and then we're going to go over the conference standings. All right, y'all, we will be right back. All right, y'all, we are back. And like I said, we're going to get into this college football. I got the college football playoff rankings right here. And let's just get, let's just get right into it. At number four, we have Georgia. Now, Georgia stands at 11-1 right now. Uh, they will be taking off against uh, Bama this weekend for the SEC championship. Uh, they are at number four right now. If they were to lose, um, more than likely they would probably be eliminated uh, just because Ohio State um, well then again you really don't know because I don't think Ohio, well Ohio State is pro probably more than likely going to get past North Northwestern uh, we've seen Oklahoma lose already to Texas uh, so that that game you know it may it may repeat itself history may repeat itself there uh, so if, if Georgia does lose that game uh, I would say Ohio State just because I'm pretty sure uh, they're going to be able to to take care of business against Northwestern I could see them moving up and going past Oklahoma uh, Oklahoma again uh, if they mm, if they're able to beat Texas uh, both of those teams both of those teams win Oklahoma and uh, Ohio State end up winning Georgia loses then we have a little bit of a a different story. I know a lot of people are going to want to uh, ride uh, Oklahoma's coattails because of that offense. I would rather side with Ohio State. They have a, a better win to me. Uh, they have more mark. Well, they well, yeah, of course they have the better win. Uh, they beat number four. They beat number four Michigan last week, or who was number four last week. Uh, so I definitely given. I'm definitely going to give a, a, an edge to Ohio State. Uh, there's the there's a big case all throughout college football why Oklahoma deserves this. I don't see it. 
Uh, I don't like the way that they play defense. I think their offense is uh, pretty much a result of them playing in the conference that they're from. I'm not really amazed by it. This, if you if you watch Big 12 football, this is what you're gonna see. You're, you're gonna you're, if you watch it next, year, you're gonna see the exact same thing. What they're doing down there in Oklahoma. I'm sorry, it's not that special. It's just Big 12 football. Uh, but uh, let's just move on from the. Let's just move on to number three. We have Notre Dame. Uh, they are 12-0. and 0. Um, Because of the game that they had last week against Notre Dame, I mean, USC, excuse me, uh, they hosted USC at home and still were able, still only able to win 24-17. Uh, they're looking like one of the... One of the weakest teams of the top four, really honest, uh, to be honest with you. Uh, they'll probably, be, yeah, they'll be taking on Clemson uh, in that first round matchup. It looks like, uh, looks like they made it. Yeah, they made it past. You know, they have, they don't have a conference championship game, by the way. They are independent, uh, so they've pretty much won out. Uh, they've made it to where they needed to be uh, at the number three spot again. Like, they, like I said, they're looking like one of the weaker teams. So they're gonna play Clemson in that first round. I don't think that game is close. Uh, speaking of which, I have Clemson. Clemson here at number two. They're both. They're also twelve and zero. Uh, they will be playing in the ACC championship game this weekend. They'll be playing against Pittsburgh. I'll talk a little bit of, a little bit about that in a second. Uh, this is conference. This is conference championship week, anyways, for just about every conference. Uh, Pac-12, Big 12. Uh, we just talked about that Big 12 game just a little bit. Uh, SEC, of course. Uh, Big Ten as well. I just talked about them too. Uh, so just all the conference championships. This is the important week, at least for the top. I would say for Georgia and Bama because they both have a have a have a shot at. Uh, well, at least Georgia has a spot at improving its ranking. Uh, Bama can only fall to at the very well. I I can see Bama going to number four if they were to lose this game. Either number number four, or even knocking Notre Dame out because I would just because Notre Dame just doesn't pass the eye test to me. I would not mind uh, just just putting in Ohio State in front of them just because I know they're finished twelve and zero, but I don't think uh, Notre Dame uh, can really hang with those teams. Even Georgia at number four, I don't really think they can hang. Uh, but anyways, on the outside looking in, I got three teams here. Of course, I've already talked about Oklahoma here at number five. They are eleven at eleven and one. Uh, they do have a shot to get in back into the mix if they're able to handle business against Texas. But again, they're going to need some help. Uh, Bama or Clemson is probably going to have to lose uh, again. Uh, well, actually, a Georgia loss could help them out as well, uh, just to kind of get them to move up. Again, I, I think Ohio State deserves a better deserves to be in that fifth place spot, only because they play better football, in my opinion. Complete football. I know a lot of it made a, a lot has been made about that defense, and outside for a couple rough games they had, I really thought. It stayed intact for the most part this season. It wasn't it wasn't a, a great Urban Meyer defense, but again, I still thought they got the job done. And uh, when it really counted, like in the game against Michigan, they stood up. And finally, at number seven, we have Michigan, who are also eleven and one. I think they they're pretty much you can look at it right now and say that they're out of it. Uh, they uh, playing the national playing in a conference championship would have helped them out this week to kind of uh, push them along. Of course, they would have probably had that number four spot, depending on how that game goes especially with a win against Ohio State last week they probably would have jumped Notre Dame uh but it looks like uh they're going to be still they're going to be still there at number 7 which is okay cuz that means they get a new year six ball uh they'll probably end up uh facing somebody like UCF or something that'd be a pretty solid game uh but again I don't think Michigan was on uh their level any any anybody in the top 4 I really don't think they were on anybody their levels maybe except for Notre Dame but again they even lost to Notre Dame so there you go uh Michigan ends up Oh, and actually, they're not 11 and 1. They're actually 11 and 2. So there you go. So forgive me. Uh, moving on, let's preview these conference championships. Of course, I said I was going to talk about the SEC championship. Number four, Alabama is going to go up against number four, Georgia. Of course, we all know about the coach. Well, in case you don't know about the co coach, uh, Kirby Smart there at Georgia. He is a former Alabama defensive coordinator, so we have that connection there. As far as Georgia goes, they average about 32 points a game, 260, 260 rush yards. So they run the, the ball pretty well. Uh, however, this week, they're going to have four possible people sitting out i don't like those chances i do not like those chances uh they have a, a lineman missing offensive lineman out that might be out also a defensive lineman that might be out so that's pressure against the quarterback that's protection for their quarterback i don't like it bama's bringing back uh even bringing back a starter they average about 49 points a game 
I like Kirby Smart's defense, and if anybody can hold Alabama down, it, it should be them. I think he – I mean, I, I think it's a more interesting game than we think. I got Alabama winning as a close one only because I I think Kirby Smart knows enough about Nick Saban and knows enough about Alabama uh, to to be able to draw up some defense. But, again, this offense, this Alabama offense has been different than any other year. So uh, the couple things to look at. Uh, but I still have Bama winning. Uh, why not? Let's make it 27-20 really close. I think they get a, a touchdown right at the end of seal it. I think they have one of the better quarterbacks in the nation. I think they get it done. They balance. They have a running game as well. So I got to go uh, with your boys down there in Tuscaloosa. Uh, also, we have uh, Clemson going up against Pittsburgh, that should be an easy game. Pittsburgh dropped this, uh, a game last week against unranked Miami. I don't see where they have a challenge. Yeah, I really don't see where um, where Pittsburgh has a chance. They really don't have any offense. Uh, Clemson's going to run all over them. They have a good running back. They have a top uh, passer as a freshman with Trevor Lawrence. I think he's going to throw all over these guys in Pittsburgh. So uh, I think Clemson wins big. I think they put about maybe 50, 48, 40, 50, 48, maybe 50 points on them. All right. And uh, finally, we got some uh, news here. And uh, Paul Johnson, uh, he was the former head coach at Georgia Tech as recently as about a couple days ago. Uh, actually, a day. Uh, he decided to retire after 11 seasons. Uh, there was an official meeting held yesterday, like I said. Um, and he just decided, like I said, he, it was time for him to to you know move on uh now he did go 82 and 59 which is really good at georgia tech he also went 189 and uh he also had a record of 189 excuse me and 98 that was his overall record so he was a pretty decent coach uh from what i remember i i started watching a little bit of georgia tech football starting fo in about about my high school years uh, i remember him right from the jump uh the offense was very distinctive triple option uh, one of the few remaining coaches to run that outside of maybe the Navy coach. Uh, and when I say triple option, there's no really no passing. Uh, if you look at a stat, if you look at a Georgia Georgia, uh, Georgia Tech stat line or, or box score, that quarterback will probably throw seven passes, 10 at the most, depending on, you know, that game. But they love to run the ball. Uh, they'll give it to the quarterback, a couple of running backs, even a fullback will run that ball. So uh, that's pretty much what they were all about. That was their identity. They always had a pretty solid defense, too, that ranked pretty high nationally. Uh, their running game was always near the top, but their defenses were pretty solid, too. Uh, now, he won the ACC championship in the 2009. So the year after I graduated high school, I do remember that uh, that season. Uh, they were they kind of came out of nowhere of course when you hear about the ACC you'll hear a lot about Miami uh, they're probably when, it, when we're talking about the historical uh, greatness Miami will be one of the first ones uh, you'll also hear about Florida State as well uh, but Georgia State does have a history as well Georgia I mean sorry Georgia Tech excuse me Georgia Tech has been around at least since the 1900s SEC and the ACC so uh, Georgia Tech uh, again under under Paul Johnson, a really decent team. Again, he also um, finished at the top or at or number two in his coastal division, which is a part of the ACC. Seven out of the eleven seasons, so he was in that conference title mix just about every year. And I can say that I I do remember I I do vividly remember seeing Georgia Tech a lot of conference championships games. Uh, they do win a they. They did win a lot. He also went to nine ball games, which is really good, which is definitely good. Nine ball games means that you're getting the job done and you're winning, you know, a, a good amount of games every year, at least 10. Uh, well, first of all, you have to get six wins to qualify for a ball game. But if he's qualifying for ball games and making it to the conference championship game just about every year, he's winning about eight or nine games. So that's really good. That's solid. Age 159 is nothing to sneeze at, especially even in the even in the ACC when you have to play, you have to play Miami. Miami when you have to play Florida State I like it Virginia Tech I like it I liked him as a coach I really liked it I really liked those Virginia Tech squads trust me they were pretty good uh he but last year uh he regressed a little bit uh well this year excuse me he went seven and five this season and last week he uh had a 45 to 21 loss in uh to Georgia in their good old-fashioned rivalry uh called good old-fashioned hate and again so he just decided to walk away he's been there for a while uh he also coached on the d2 level where he won a college championship he is fourth among uh fourth uh 
uh, he's sorry, he is fourth among active coaches in terms of wins. He's behind Bill Snyder at Kansas State and also Nick Saban at Alabama. Like I said, he also won two national championships on D2 level at Georgia Southern, and he also coached at Navy as well. Like I said, he's one of the last coaches to run the pride, the the triple threat, uh, the triple option uh, offense. Now Georgia Tech has always led the nation in rush. Well, he. They led the rushing this year and has been in the top 10 since 2008, since he started. So they average about 300 and run yards a game. So he's one of the better coach. Like I said, in terms of running the ball, getting the ball down the field, at least in that way, he was dope at it. Um, the Los Angeles uh, Chargers coordinator, offensive coordinator, that is, Ken Winsonhut, is one of the top candidates. Now, he... Now, uh, Georgia Tech is his alma mater, so there is definitely history history there. I do like that pickup. I do even like the fact that they were interested in that. Uh, they were also smart because uh, they're also looking at the co-offensive coordinator of Clemson, Tony Elliott. And they're also looking at the Army head coach, Jeff Munkin, uh, only because, well, for the, for the simple fact that both of these guys run somewhat of a triple threat or triple, <laughs> triple threat. They run somewhat of a triple option. If you watch Army style of play, same type of thing fullbacks, couple running backs getting the ball, course the running backs. I mean sorry even the quarterback is running. So uh very similar. They're looking to get a coach that pretty much fits that same uh mold. Me personally if I was an athletic director at Georgia Tech right now, I've had somebody that's been there for almost for over a decade. Uh we've been doing the doing uh a certain a certain kind of offense for ten years well, 11 years to be exact. Um of course, you know we've had some of our success uh but again, you know I'd want more, so I'd want to try something different. Of course, don't get me wrong; uh, it's not—it's nothing wrong if it, if it's not broke, don't fix it. But again, uh, they—it's not like they won many national championships. I think that, and they could definitely uh, use a splash, use something different, throw the ball down the field a little bit. I think that would throw a lot of teams off when when dealing with them next season. But uh, we're gonna take another quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna talk some NFL. Like I said, I got some takeaways from Week 12 for you guys, and uh, we also got a couple questions going into this next week, Week 13, and then we're gonna go over Thursday's, well, tonight's action against the Cowboys and the Saints, and uh, the Cowboys got it done. That, that much I will say for now. All right, y'all, we'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back, and let's talk some NFL real quick. I got a couple takeaways from Week 12. Like I said, I got a couple questions going into Week 13, and then I'm going to go over tonight's action real quick. So let's get right into it. And one of my takeaways from Week 12 is Marvin Lewis, come here and take this seat, this very hot seat. He's currently 5 or 6 this season, 3rd in the, in the AFC North. Last week, he took a bitter Ugly loss to his rival, the Browns, 35 to 20. Uh, Baker Mayfield, of course, did his thing. Uh, he decided to give a cold reaction to Hugh Jackson. They're taking nails all over the place. We already know about Andy Dalton being placed on IR. I talked about that earlier this week. They're not looking good at all. They haven't looked good. Uh, they've looked just about average since he's been there. A lot of years below average. So, you know. Right around 2011, actually, I would have, I would have been, I've been calling for his head, honestly. Uh, I'll be honest, since at least 2016, 2015, uh, just too much, in, too much inconsistencies. I mean, if anything, you could say they're consistently average. Uh, and for somebody who's been there for so long, I don't think you need to be that average. I'm sorry, I don't, I don't buy it. Uh, they lost five of the last, five of the last six, and they started off four and one. So again, you know. Not a good look for them, you know. They haven't looked. They haven't looked like they've been able to run the ball. Uh, don't get me wrong. I broke. I I broke down some of Andy Dalton's numbers. Uh, his numbers seem to be solid. AJ Green does want to come back next year, uh, but again, this year it's just looking looking like a shit show. I'm sorry for a team that's had so much consistency. They've they've kept that roster intact for the most part since Marvin Lewis has been there. Uh, of course, they've had different phases, but for now they've they've kept the same kind of faces around. G Giovanni Bernard uh, there in the backfield. They've had uh, Joe Mixon doing his thing for the past couple of seasons. Um, of course, they had Carson Palmer when they had him. They had him for a good minute, uh, just like they had with Andy Dalton. They've had him for a good minute, and it doesn't look like they uh, Marvin Lewis has been able. To take him to the next level and so because of that i think he needs to take a seat 
take a very hot seat. And my final takeaway is uh, the Bears will win the NFC North. Uh, they're currently 8-3. and three. They're overall, uh, right now, they're first, of course. Uh, last week, they had a great win, 23-16, uh, of course. Uh, but the main story is they did it without Trubisky. Now, uh, there's a lot of dysfunction going on in Green Bay right now between Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers. I don't think they'll get it together enough to even, first of all, I don't think they'll get it enough to get a playoff spot, let alone challenge in this division. And the Vikings seem to be very imbalanced. I think Kirk Cousins, he shows flashes. Uh, and again, they have two great receivers, Adam Thielen, and of course, they got Stephon Diggs on the other side. Uh, but that running game is trash. Uh, Dalvin Cook, I, I pretty much... I'm comfortable with saying he's a bust. Latavius Murray has been one of the worst free agent signings in the past few years. They don't average more than three yards a carry a game. Uh, last couple of games, they've been averaging like they've gotten like 30, 30 yards between the both of them almost. And just very, very ugly offense. I think they have a pretty decent defense. They have a good secondary with Harrison Smith out there. But again, um, too imbalanced for me on offense. I don't think they have a good a good enough team to a win the division and b even do anything in the playoffs. So for right now, I like the Bears and I think their their achievement is going to go hand in hand with Mitch Trubisky's achievement. So the more uh, Mitch Trubisky improves, the more he gets his 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 stuff together, which you can see already he has. Um, look for them to get even better. They already have good wide receivers. I like their receivers, Alshon Jeffrey. I do like Taylor Gabriel as well. They also got Trey Burton uh, at tight end. I like it. I like their balance on offense. They they have they they're doing is kind of what they're doing uh, with New Orleans running backs. Um, like Alvin Kamara and uh, uh, Melvin Ingram. They got a little bit of the same. They got Thomas Howard and Tariq Cohen, kind of the same function. I don't think Tariq Cohen is as good as Alvin Kamara, but I, I think on any given, any given day, if we're talking about power running going up and getting yards, uh, getting average rushing yards, I think you could put Jordan Howard on that same plane as, as a Marvin Ingram. Uh, but again, so they, they're pretty similar to what New Orleans, I mean, they're, they're, they're kind of similar, at least in terms of what their running backs can do. And I just like I just like overall their balance. They can run the ball. They can they can pass the ball. Of course, uh, Miss Trubisky is coming around, and they have a very very good formidable defense. Roquan Smith is a great rookie, uh, defensive rookie of the year in my opinion. He also got Khalil Mack, one of the best free agent uh, free well well one of the best trades uh, that I've seen happen at the beginning of the year in my life. I've never seen a trade happen in the first couple weeks of the season and have it work out so well. There you go. Uh, they also have a great secondary. So look out for the Bears. I say that they win the the NFC North. Um, and my two questions uh, going into this week. Uh, one I got is, uh, is Houston a, a Super Bowl team? I, I definitely think they're a playoff team. They're looking like they're uh, going to run away with the AFC South. Uh, the question is, how do they match up against the Chiefs? That's going to be the big question. Patriots, uh, they're going to have to take down the Steelers possibly. Uh, looking at what I've seen so far, uh, I don't like the fact that they lost Will Fuller a little while back, I think, to IR. Uh, so that's one deep threat that they don't have. Uh, but I do like how Lamar Miller has been overachieving. I uh, like Demarius Thomas to Demarius Thomas pickup. He's already uh, made his presence felt. So they do have decent wide receivers. They have a decent tight end set. And they have a really good defense. Does that make him a great – does that make him a Super Bowl contender? I don't think they have enough offense to keep up with uh, Kansas City, and I don't think they have enough smarts to to beat uh, North, uh, New England. And I, I think, if anything, they could probably catch the Steelers, uh, depending on the matchup. Uh, but again, I don't see it this year, uh, but I definitely see a playoff contender. And finally, is Chris McCaffrey a great all-purpose back? I don't really have an answer for that. Uh, he averages about... Four yards a run, I believe, or maybe three and a half yards for run. Uh, not uh, he hasn't really shown up in terms of uh, running the ball, in my opinion. I think he's still below a thousand yards. Uh, again, he can definitely catch out of the backfield. I honestly think time will tell. I think the more Cam Newton improves, uh, if he's able to improve his passing, you might see some numbers improve from him. Uh, but overall, I think he's an average all-purpose running back. In all in all honesty, I think he's an average runner. Uh, he's not. Very very big. I don't trust his um, 
I don't trust his durability. I don't know. I don't know about his size right now. Uh, he looks to be, you know, on the smaller side for NFL uh, running back. Uh, but again, not to take too much away from his skills. I, I just think that uh, he's definitely good for a package. I, if you had the right package for him and put him in for a couple of downs, I think he's very great. Do I think he's an every down back? No, I don't. Uh, but uh, moving on, let's get to the Thursday night football. Of course. Um, well. Let's not say a course because it was a surprise. Uh, but Dallas was able to get it done. Uh, very by the by the hair to their chinny chin ten chinny chin chin. Excuse me. Uh, they were able to get uh, able to get the wins the win against Drew Brees and the Saints thirteen to ten. Uh, let's go through these stats real quick. As for the Saints, uh, Brees went eighteen to twenty eight for one hundred twenty seven yards. He threw a touchdown and also an interception. Uh, running the ball, Alvin Kamara got thirty seven. Mark Ingram got twenty seven. Uh, in terms of receiving, Mike uh, Thomas got. Five uh, five catches for 40 yards. Uh, Keith Kirkwood was the only uh, touchdown goal. He got the only touchdown score for the Saints offense. And uh, on defense, they got help from Marshawn Latimer, who had 10 total tackles. And he also got help uh, from defensive tackle David Onionata, who had seven total tackles and three sacks. So uh, they were able to do... Uh, some things defensively. Uh, again, I like the fact that they were to get to the quarterback a couple times. They had a couple uh, players with more than one sack, so we know they can get to the quarterback. But again, uh, the Cowboys defense just came to play. That's one thing that they've been. Uh, that's one thing I've been seeing about the Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys, and one thing I've also been hearing uh, and is that D is that defense is really good. I got a chance to see a little bit of a little bit more of it tonight, and it's a really solid defense. Uh, again, if they were able to get Drew Brees to throw an interception, you don't see too many of those and uh when that happens you don't you don't want to give too many chances away and uh look like new orleans they only needed that one mistake and it came back to bite them uh again i'm a little bit surprised about that offense uh none of the running backs really did anything significantly uh so that that kind of sucks, uh, but again, uh, Dallas Cowboys have one of the best running defenses in, in in the league. I think third in the league at the moment. So, uh, wasn't now that I'm looking at the facts and I do know the yards and looking at the stats again, I'm a little bit surprised. But again, uh, when you're going up against one of the best defenses. Don't expect a whole lot. Uh, as far as the Cowboys go, Dak had a really good game. He went 12, at least in terms of completion percentage. Uh, he went 24-28 for 248 yards. He also scored a touchdown. Uh, Zeke ran for 76 yards. He also caught a touchdown. And in terms of receiving, Michael Gallup had 75 yards. Amari Cooper had 76 yards. No touchdowns from Amari Cooper. But again, you can see that he's trying to develop that rapport with Dak Prescott. And it looks to be, you know... Uh, at least a factor in this offense, and that's pretty cool. And on defense, Leighton Van Der Esch, again, he steps up, has 10 total tackles. He's all over the place, as he usually is. Uh, he's one of my favorite defensive players, too, uh, right next to Roquan, Raquan Smith. That's one of the, the better young guys out there. Um, he didn't get an interception. He's usually, uh, well, he, he there was a, there was a streak where he had like three straight games where he got an interception. Um, but no interceptions, but again, all over the place, uh, getting after guys. And I like it. You gotta love it. Uh Drew Brees again. Um use this whole year he's been looking really great. But something that the Cowboys did just was able to get to him. I like I like what they're able to do, able to do in the secondary again. And uh great game from the Cowboys. Uh does it do I think that they can win a Super Bowl? No. Uh, but they're definitely injured in the driver's seat to get to at least the second round. And uh, I think for them and their situation, that's enough to get Jason Garrett uh, at least another. Buy him an extra couple years. Same thing with Dak Prescott. Everybody's happy. Uh, Jerry Jones, uh, he doesn't have a conniption and die because of sadness, because he's just being futile. But <laughs> um, good game. Good win by the Cowboys. And, again, it leaves a lot of questions for the Saints. I thought that they were a complete team. I was looking forward to a blowout, uh, but definitely I'm going to go back to the drawing board in terms of what I'm looking at in terms of these Super Bowl teams. But uh, we'll take another quick break, and when I come back, we're going to go over some college hoops. Uh, we're going to go over last night's action. Again, like I said, no real top 25, no top 25 action tonight. Uh, there will be some going down tomorrow night, Friday night. So uh, we will be going over the uh, last night's scores and also uh, the standings as well. Actually, the rankings, the top 25 as well. So we'll be right back, y'all. All right. 
Alright y'all, let's get right back into these college hoops. Uh, let's go over some top 25 action. Uh, this is from yesterday, of course, like I said, there was no uh, top 25 action today, but there will be some Friday night and Friday afternoon. So for tonight, let's get through Wednesday's scores. Uh, let's get right into it. Number 6 Tennessee was able to get an easy one against Eastern Kentucky, 95-67. to Number 16 Ohio State loses to Syracuse, 62-72. to uh, number four, Virginia was able to get it done against number 24, Maryland in ACC play. Uh, let's go over that one. Uh, of course, like I said, uh, Virginia won 70. The score there is 76 to 71 uh, for Virginia. Shooting guard Kyle Guy led the way. He had 18 points. Also, point guard Ty Jerome had 17 points. And also, they got help from Andre Hunter at the forward position who had 15 points, four assists, and also five rebounds. Maryland got help from their big uh well from their guard uh who Anthony Cohen, who had 15 points, four assists, and they also got help from their big man, Bruno Fernando, who had fifth, uh, sorry, 14 points and 11 rebounds. Maryland still, I'm sorry, Virginia uh, moves on to stay undefeated at 7-0. Maryland moves down to 6-1. All right, moving on. Uh, number eight, Auburn was able to able to get it done against St. Peter's, 99 to 49. I don't even know where St. Peter's is, so don't even ask me. Uh, we got number 10, Kentucky, getting it done against. Monmouth again, another school I never heard of. Don't even think about asking me. Uh, they got the one there, uh, 90 to 44. Uh, another, we have another top 25 matchup here. Uh, we got Florida State, uh, they got it done against Purdue. Number 15, uh, Florida State, uh, got the W 73 to 72. Uh, Purdue is is 19th ranked at the moment and uh finally uh we got unc going down number 11 unc north carolina of course going down to number seven michigan 67 to 84. uh let's break this one down a little bit uh point guard kobe wright led the way for the north carolina tar heels he had 12 points four assists and also four rebounds power for luke may also helped out with 11 points and 15 rebounds. Uh, as for Michigan, power forward Ignis Brad Azikis had 24 points and 5 rebounds. Shooting guard Charles Matthews had 21 points and 7 rebounds. And also Jordan Poole helped out as well. 18 points, 5 rebounds, and 4 assists. As for the top 25 for college basketball, uh, we got Gonzaga on top. They are currently 7-0. and oh, They already beat number 3 Duke this year. Uh, they are shooting uh, 39% from three this season. This is one of the top numbers, uh, one of the one of the top percentages in college basketball right now. Um, and they already have two 60-point halves, so they can score. They can get a lot of points fast. They get hot. Uh, they are led by their forward, Rui Achimura, straight out of Japan, y'all. 21 points. He's averaging 21 points, five assists on a year. Uh, they're 30 points in total. Uh, so this, this is looking like a good team. I don't know how far they can go in terms of if they stay undefeated. This Again, this is my first week uh, kind of getting back into a lot of college basketball. I've been watching highlights and all that. Now I'm watching games and breaking everything down. So I'm kinda I'm kinda learning. I'm kinda, I'm learning a little bit now. It's taking it's taking me a minute. I I was gone during the offseason. Sorry. Uh but we're but right back on it. At number two we have Kansas. They are currently five and zero. Oh. At number three we have six and one. We have at six and one we have Duke. Uh we have Zion Williamson of course is on that team the big time standout. Uh also we have number four Virginia coming in at seven and zero. Oh. We just talked about them really solid team coming out of the ACC still undefeated uh, number five this is a team that I was not expecting to see up there uh, we have Nevada coming out of the western uh, the west the um, sorry Mountain West excuse me they have one of the best offenses in the nation and I'm not mistaken they add, they have the highest uh, or at least their top three in scoring as well uh, actually top five I think they're a little bit behind Gonzaga in terms of scoring but again another surprising team I I wouldn't have thought about Nevada. At number six, we have Tennessee currently at five and one. Uh, at number seven, we also talked about them not too long ago. Michigan, they are seven and zero. Oh. At number eight, we have Auburn, a team I just talked about as well. They are six and one. At number nine, we have Michigan State coming in at five and two. At number ten, we have good old Kentucky, a team that a lot of us should know about. 
yeah, college hoop fans or not, I think they kind of cross over. You should know about Kentucky basketball. They're they're one of the best ones out there. But they're six and one this year. They're being led by their forward, uh, PJ Washington, who averages about seventeen points, eleven rebounds, and also two assists in a steal a game. Uh, again, they lost to Duke in their first game, one eighteen to eighty four. They do not look that great this year they've seemed to lost somewhat of a, a sparkle since last year i can say that for myself uh calipari is also getting roasted for his recruiting so far he hasn't been able to get those recruits in just yet but we'll see how that goes that they talk about that in the beginning of the year but I think that's a non-issue as at this point. That's a mood point. Uh, at number 11, we have North Carolina. We also talked about them as well. Uh, they just recently lost to Duke. They also took that L to Michigan. Um, oh, I'm sorry. They, they, I'm sorry. They just lost to Michigan, excuse me. Uh, but they are 6-2 currently. Uh, but, again, uh, this is another team. Again, I, I like the ACC. I think the ACC has a lot of good uh, teams right now. Uh, as far as North Carolina goes, I know they're one of the, the – the old guard, one of the teams next to Duke that, you know, they kind of go back and forth between who's winning that conference this year. I do like Virginia's ta- uh, chances. I like, I- I'm going to probably go with Virginia at the moment. If I were to make a call right now, just be, just be, just based on what I've seen the past few years, I like Virginia. Of course, you you can always be wrong. And somebody like North Carolina who always wins it a lot, they're always in the mix. I wouldn't be surprised if they were able to get it done. Uh, but at number 12, we have Kansas State. They are sending at 6-0. and At number 13, we have Virginia Tech. They are at 5-1. and At number 14, we have Iowa. They are 6-0. and At 15, we have Florida State at 6-1. and 17 is Ohio State coming in at 6-1. and Texas is five and one. My boys, Oregon, the Ducks, the Fighting Ducks of Eugene, they are sitting here at number eighteen in the nation, four and two overall with their record. Uh, number nineteen, we have Purdue. I talked about them a little bit earlier. Uh, they are sitting at five and two. At number twenty, we have Texas Tech, who is also undefeated. They have a six and zero record. At number twenty-one, we have Buffalo, who is five and zero. Number twenty-two is Wisconsin, six and one. Number twenty-three is Villanova sitting there at five and two. Twenty-four is Maryland at six and one, and bringing out the top twenty-five, uh, we have Mississippi State. They are five and one. They are tenth in free throw percentage. They get to the line and they make the most of it. However, they don't really have a whole lot of good scoring or. No, no, for lack of a better word, shooting. Uh, they've averaged 64 points in the last two games, and uh, they're currently 26.2% at three of at the three-point line as a team. So they can't really score a whole lot uh, in terms of, like I said, they can't really shoot a whole lot. They can get to the line, though. I don't know how far this gets them in the SEC, though. Uh, again, I think the SEC is facing a little bit of a down year. Uh of course, you have Kentucky and Auburn at the top, uh, eight and eight and uh, ten respectively. Uh, however, I don't really see any either one of those teams, even especially Kentucky as of right now, really going deep in the finals. So, with that being said, I really don't have a whole lot of hope for Mississippi State. Uh, again. 64 points in the last two games, not a good number. Uh, a lot of these, a lot of the good teams are getting their 70, 75, almost 80, uh, almost 80. Um, I believe, um, I want to say Gonzaga. Yeah, Gonzaga, uh, for example, has like at least 300-point games. Uh, so you got to be able to keep up with these guys, especially come tournament time. And I just don't think they got it like that. Uh, but anyways, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to finish. We're gonna wrap this all up. Uh, like I said, we're going to go over uh, tonight's uh, scores from the NBA. Uh, tonight's scores. We had three games coming on tonight. And then, like I said, we're going to go over these conference standings. And um, no real, like I said, no real major developments in terms of MLB free agency, but I will just throw a couple notes out there. It was a couple visits, a couple meetings today with some of the superstars, so we will uh, talk about that. All right, y'all, we will be right back. All right, my people, we're going to wrap this up for tonight, and we're going to start off with tonight's NBA scores. Uh, the Warriors, uh, they lose to the Raptors tonight, 128 to 131. Uh, let's break down this game real quick. Uh, for the Warriors, Klay Thompson had 23 points, 3 rebounds, uh, 3 assists. KD had an, uh, another amazing game, in my opinion, 51 points, 11 rebounds, 6 assists. And uh, power forward Jonas Jarabeko, uh, he had 20 points in all 
also nine rebounds. Uh, they they kept it close. Uh, Raptors just you know they got it done when it counted. Of course, you know if this, these things happen, I don't know how to really explain it, but uh, the Raptors look. I mean, they look like the best team in the league, in my opinion, this year, if anything. Uh, Kawhi, he had 37 points. He also had eight rebounds and three assists. Uh, power forward Pascal Siakam had 26 points. And also Sergi Baca had 20 points and four rebounds. Again, I, I don't know really what to make of it. The Warriors did their thing. Uh, they played great offense. And um, it just looks like the Raptors played just a little bit better. Can't really, can't really, uh, can't really say here. KD had another awesome game, fifty-one pointer. Uh, really wasn't expecting that, uh, but it looks like you know they need Steph Curry. They need Steph. They might even need Draymond too. Uh, but anyways, the Warriors move on to fifteen and eight. Uh, the Raptors move on to nineteen and four. They are still the best team in the league with the best record. Uh, but let's move on with the rest of these scores. Only a couple others. Uh, the Pacers lose to the, the Lakers, uh, ninety six to one hundred four, and the Clippers get it done against the Kings, one thirty three to one twenty one. All right, let's go over these conference standings real quick. Starting with the Eastern uh, Conference, uh, the Raptors are on top like i said 19 and 4 they have the best record in, in the league as well uh at second place we have the bucks uh 15 and 6 overall at number three we have the sixers who are in who are at 11 and 7 uh here comes the pit uh, the Pistons with the same record, 11 and 7 at number 4. At 5, we have the Pacers who are 13 and 9. At 6, we have the Hornets at 11 and 10. Uh, the Celtics are also uh, 11 and 10 at number 7. And also the eighth seed, uh, we have the Magic at 10 and 12. Uh, as far as the Western Conference is concerned, the Clippers are still on top, 14 and 6. Uh, number 2, we have the Nuggets, 14 and 7. At number 3, we have the Warriors, who I just talked about. They are 15 and 8. And another quick uh, note about them Draymond Green should be back this week I believe he will be back Saturday uh, moving on we have the Thunder at number 4 13 and 7 at number 5 we have the Blazers who are 13 and 8 at number 6 we have the Grizzlies who are 12 and 8 at 7 we have the Lakers who are 12 and 9 and at number 8 bringing up the rear we have the Mavericks who are at 10 and 9 and uh, finally, y'all, we have a couple little baseball uh, tidbits to throw out there uh, before I let you guys go. There may be a trade on the way uh, between the Mariners and the Mets. Uh, the Mets, I'm sorry, the Mariners are looking to trade away Robinson Cano and his big time, well, his expensive contract. They're looking to trade him and also Edwin Diaz. Uh, with, like I said, with the Mariners, they are looking to get from the Mariners Jeff McNeil, uh, Justin Dunn, Jared Keller. Uh, Kellerick, Jay Bruce, and also Anthony Swarzak. So some big, so, so a lot of different names. So a lot of different names moving around there. They're looking to uh, the Mariners are looking to look loosen up some of that uh, some of that income. They're spending a lot of money on Robinson Cano to trying to loosen up those books a little bit. And finally, Patrick Corbin met with the Yankees today. Uh, last year he had some great numbers. Uh, he finished eleven and seven uh, with eleven and seven record. He had a three fifteen ERA, so pretty solid season. Uh, uh, like I said, the Yankees, uh, they just let go of Sonny Gray this offseason. They re-signed CeCe Sabathia. They're trying to shoring up that pitching staff. I like the pick. They've also been looking at, um, of course, like I said, um, Manny Machado and also um, Bryce Harper have just recently slide, uh, slid through New York as well. Uh, as far as Patrick Corbin, he's also gone to the Phillies as well uh, in terms of visiting, of course. So no real signings yet, like I said, but teams are definitely visiting. Uh, teams are coming up with trade packages. Again, just no, no, uh, no triggers have been pulled yet. So when they come around, again, I'm here for you guys. I'll be talking about it. All right, y'all. So we're going to wrap this up for tonight. Uh, my next episode, of course, we'll be going over some college football action. We got all the uh, the rivalry, or not sorry, the rivalry week. We have college, uh, sorry, conference championship week. We'll be going over all those conference championship games, as well as setting the table for the national championship playoff. Uh, of course, we're going to be going over some NFL preview and what's coming on for you guys Sunday. And also, of course, we got the NBA going to be over, going over some stats and scores there. And now that I'm getting back into college basketball again, we will be getting into that as well. All right, y'all. So we're going to call it a break for tonight. And uh, I'll see you when I see you. And if anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. All right, y'all. Y'all be good. Take good care of each other. Peace out. One love.